Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. We're going neighborhood by neighborhood through New York City. In this episode, we're going to land right on Fifth Avenue, which remains the most iconic thoroughfares in the world. Since 1907, it has been a leader in matters of policy, commerce, and urbanism in the city. Today, it is dedicated to promoting flagship retail, five-star hotels, gourmet restaurants, and renowned cultural institutions, as well as landmark attractions that's in the heart of Midtown between 46th and 61st Streets. Jerome Barth is the president of the Fifth Avenue Association, which is actually one of the original business improvement districts created to solve urban problems in New York in the early 1990s. Over his career, Jerome was involved in the creation and development of all types of outdoor programs and activities, from the first public Wi-Fi network in America, to juggling lessons, to now iconic Winter Village at Bryant Park or the Show Globes in Times Square. When not pondering how to improve public space, he enjoys being a dad and has three daughters. God bless you. Jerome, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, I really love talking to heads of uh, business improvement districts because I feel that you guys are so knowledgeable of what's happening. You're talking to landowners, tenants, residents, people walking through, tourists. So, you know, I would just love to hear from you, um, you know, a little bit about uh, the association and and really the the history that you had there. Thank you. The, the, The Fifth Avenue Association is a little bit unusual as a business improvement district because it, it is an evolution from an existing organization rather than a new creation. So you, you, you mentioned it a second ago, we were created, the Fifth Avenue Association was created in 1907 and it was uh, a very different New York then, but Fifth Avenue was already a prominent street. Fifth Avenue was laid out in 1824. It's coming up on its 200th birthday in two years and nice. plans for it. And the association, it was primarily, the street was primarily a really high-end residential street that quickly became identified with power Mm. and power brokers and people, wheelers and dealers, if you wish. And the association was a place where these people would meet and determine common courses of action that were beneficial to them. But gradually that also took on a greater civic role and went, it evolved from being just about what was good for them to what was good for the city. And the Fifth Avenue Association was a leader in topics such as historic preservation, zoning law, employment law, and others. Then following the Second World War, the nature of business on the street changed and the nature of the real estate changed as well. And you saw much larger buildings with um, much greater density than before. And you went away from the mansions, which were demolished one by one, with a few exceptions, towards very large-scale hotels at first, and then uh, office towers and retail. And the association maintained its role then as sort of a a, a gatherer of what made sense for the neighborhood, bestowing prizes for good architecture or quality renovations or other programs. It was no longer identified with necessarily the leading citizens of the day. Mm. Then, as we know, the city went through a somewhat darker period in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, And it reinvented itself as a business improvement district using this wonderful tool we have in New York to to bring together sort of the best of public and private sectors. Uh, It's really, you know, I like to describe it as public sector goals with private sector methods and money. And we've been focusing for most of our history since 1993 on sanitation and security. 
I think that the election of Donald Trump in 2016 prompted a, you know, a moment of crisis. Sometimes can be a moment of reflection. Prompted the interest on the avenue to ask themselves, well, what what do we want to go going forward? What's next for us? And we've now embarked on a journey that is much more focused, in addition to our traditional services, which we're certainly not neglecting. In fact, we're expanding both of our offerings in sanitation and security, but uh, towards the promotion of this neighborhood as what it is, which is uh, the most iconic street in New York and so mm-hmm. maybe the world, and as the number one destination in the city and the country. That's what, and we believe that in order for this status to be maintained, you need to work at it and you need to re-engage with both uh, our existing audience and a whole new generation of consumers for whom Fifth Avenue maybe does not have the same meaning or, mm-hmm. or, or mental image as for their parents and grandparents. So that's, that's the job ahead of us. And practically, we're looking to do that through both highlighting what's exceptional about this neighborhood, both in hospitality and retail and culture, and there's incredible assets here. This is really a place that's second to none in the country, yeah. Uh, as well as through the development of one-of-a-kind activities that take advantage of what the neighborhood stands for and what, what, what the aspirations are for it. So for example, you know, we have a very strong holiday program now complementing what's happening at Rock Center, and we're going to be one of the producers of uh, Fashion Week. This coming Love summer. it. Terrific. You know, I think of obviously the area, and I think tourism. It's like a tourism mecca. You have some of the you know, most well-known retailers in the world, one after the other. Talk about what it's looking like recently and, you know, what else is maybe filling in the gap because we know international tourism is not back yet, but also how are the tenants doing? How are those retail tenants hanging in there? It's a very disparate landscape right now. If you come to Fifth Avenue, it's hopping, it's busy. But that's a Uh, recent phenomenon. It's happened in the last two months, so to speak. Our numbers are up 30% May to June, 30% June to July. Uh, So that's terrific. There's more people here. There's, there's, and we have a double phenomenon. And and I think some of your past guests have indicated the same thing. And we've certainly seen it as well, where New Yorkers have reappropriated their city and are making the best use of what it has to offer as far as food and culture and some shopping, but also national tourists have come back uh, in a significant way. Good. Um, and that's benefited, of course, the hospitality, the hotels. And, but the, the, it's very disparate. You know, the, the hotels on Tiff Avenue have very strong identities. Mm-hmm. And some of them are much more tied to international visitors than others. Some of them are residential condos. Some of them don't. So the hotels that have residential condos, for example, as part of them never close up. They always had to provide a base right. of services. Right. Interesting. And those hotels which have the more exposure to the national market now are doing much better than those that don't. But everybody's open at least, at Good. least in some capacity. And we've seen occupancy rates trickle up, you know, from 15 to 20 to 25 to 30 to 40 to 50 percent. One hotel told me that there were 70 percent one weekend, one of the smaller ones. But nevertheless, the, the trajectory has been steadily upwards. And as more things reopen in the city, it's a virtuous circle of more people are then convinced to come. 
Now, in the last two weeks, there's a new narrative surrounding the Delta variant of the COVID-19 COVID virus that yeah. has put a damper on things, shall we say, like a big wet blanket. <laughs> and, and things are in a stasis now, I would say. They're not going down, but they're, they're taking a pause and everybody's waiting to see well, what's going to happen. That is really of concern to me. And I hope I welcome the gestures by the city to take aggressive steps towards vaccination, because I think yeah. that's the way we're getting out of this. So what does it mean for the retailers, the second part of your question? Well, it really depends. I would say the more tourism focused they are, the less well they're doing. But we have, particularly on the luxury front, there, there is a luxury consumer who has displaced a significant portion of their income from travel and entertainment towards other purchases. Yeah, that has benefited people who sell high-end watches or or jewelry or so at the very top end of the market, which Fifth Avenue certainly is a home for. Uh, some people are doing extremely well, and the brands have managed to bring their stores into that channel. Then you have stores that really rely on massive foot traffic and have a lower price point, and for those, it's harder. And it's getting a little bit better now, but certainly mm. they were not, they're not living up to the expectations of the ownership of the brand. Yeah, yeah. Talk about any new openings, because I love to hear success stories during the midst and, of and the pandemic some. and getting out. There's people who have taken advantage of a pandemic to say, well, we had a capital project plan. This is the time to do it. You'll mm. never get that chance again. Let's yeah. do it. And, and on the hotel front, we have people who have renovated their spaces, such as the Pierre Hotel, for example. We also have stores that have taken advantage of changes to change their footprint. That's the case of the Lego store, for example, at Rockefeller Center. Sure. I would say that the Lego store opening uh, on 5th is, you know, it's the, the best openings. Uh, that and Harry Potter in Flatiron, these are the two, the two magnets for retail right now. There's a line out the door, and it's, it's, it's really wonderful to see that it has this phenomenal diverse audience of people going in there and standing in front of a store and then going other places in the neighborhood has been wonderful. We also have brands that have made big announcements about coming to Fifth Avenue. For example, Chopar is moving from its, its home from Madison onto Fifth Avenue at the Crown Building. Mm. They're going to probably open next May. That's a big deal uh, for them. They have big ambitions. Uh, we have Harry Winston, which has done a very complex real estate transaction involving two different buildings that are now going to be joined as a single unit uh, for a greatly expanded store at 70, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, 716 and 718 Fifth Avenue. So that's also very exciting. And then we have the Amman Hotel. So I don't know if you know the Amman brand. No, Amman. no, I don't. So Amman, so it's a strange, it's a, no, it's a wonderful and unusual concept where they develop really, really high-end hospitality properties with utmost level of service in the furthest corners of the world. Hmm. So you will have this extraordinary hotel in the middle of a desert or a mountain range or a jungle. Wow. Very niche and it's very targeted. These are small, you know, these are not massive resort properties. And they have a, there's a whole philosophy behind it. And they are opening the first urban property in the world. And they're doing that in New York on Fifth Avenue. Again, with some condos, which are two of them just sold two weeks ago for a combined $65 million. So that's it. Yes, they're doing just <laughs> fine. And that, to me, highlights the power of a brand of Fifth Avenue and people mm. understanding that 
we might be in a difficult period now, but nothing's going to ever replace Fifth Avenue. And yes. provided it's managed properly, it's going to it's going to keep bringing value to investors and visitors for for generations to come. So so there's there's a fair number of these new developments on the avenue that that have kept us busy and and I hope for more. I love it. I love to hear that. You know, for me, I feel a tremendous barometer is going to be September because that'll be, you know, after Labor Day, you know, a lot of people are going to require um, staff to come back to the office. I think particularly from Manhattan, foot traffic, use of the subway, public transportation. You know, I feel like that's a really big test. And you mentioned Fashion Week, which um, I, I believe is in September. So can you just talk a little bit more about what that looks like with Fifth Avenue and Fashion Week? So Fashion Week, I have a long history of Fashion Week. I was part of a team at Bryant Park that used to host Fashion Week twice mm. a year. And I've always looked fondly upon that, that event with all its drama and beauty and, and unexpected moments, uh, which are many and constant. And Fifth Avenue is the home of fashion. I mean, Fifth Avenue is really where fashion meets the consumer in the most meaningful and practical way. And so one of the ideas we developed here and I was supported by our board was to say, okay, what can we do to further connect Fifth Avenue to Fashion Week and the creative side of, of fashion? Mm. Uh, right now, Fashion Week in New York, from where I stand, uh, I don't want to speak to anybody else, but is uh, has lost some of the advantages that existed in years past when there was a little bit more of a central hub for the event that made life easier for people. And our long-term goal is to try to reclaim that spot for Fifth Avenue, to make it uh, better for the industry and to use the assets on Fifth to accommodate Fashion Week. So we're, we're dipping our toes into that water now with the outfitting of one beautiful venue at 608 Fifth Avenue. Mm. Uh, we, have a, you know, uh, we have a dozen shows lined up. And, uh, and we're looking to welcome a few more as well. And if it's well received and successful, then we can say, we can start thinking about how do we expand this and, and move the center of fashion back further toward uptown. I love it. Well, you know, that's some of the great work that you're doing is just to try new things to bring people and business and, you know, uh, visibility to the area. Right. Uh, you know, Fifth Avenue is iconic, but I think to some degree it's sort of taken for granted. And we find when we speak to people, there's tremendous emotional positive attachment to the avenue, what it stands for, but they want more things to take place here. They want more reasons to come, and we're trying to develop those while at the same time saying, hey, did you know this is happening at Saks Fifth Avenue? Did you know this yeah. is happening at Louis Vuitton? Did you know Burberry's has this going on? So, and, and, and bringing all these merchants together and getting them to think as a geographic entity as rather than, than only as competing stores. You know, I want to bring up to you, because I think it's um, great that it's happening, is Netflix preservation of the Paris theater. Yes. You know, there's very, very few well single informed. screen theaters left. And uh, share a little bit about what we could expect or what you hear is happening there. We're, we're, we're speaking to them. Uh, and so we, we can thank, I believe, I don't know this for a fact, I'm just quoting from sources, but um, I think we can believe, we can thank the rules of the Academy Awards for this uh, salvation, where in order to be eligible for contention for an Oscar, your movie has to be shown at certain theaters, a certain mm -hmm. number of theaters in a certain number of places for so long. 
And that put, and since uh, the traditional distribution networks were not too keen on Netflix, that has pushed them to directly invest into the movie theater business. And in New York, they, they, they chose the Paris. And that's mm -hmm. great. And I'm very thankful to the solo organization for making that deal. So I think what you can expect is for them to outfit the, um, to, to rejuvenate the appearance of the movie theater a little bit and to keep using it to, to highlight their, their flagship movies and particularly the ones for whom they wish to receive the, the red carpet Oscar treatment. I love that. It's interesting how, you know, they try to do one thing and then it's going to come back to them in another way. But I think that's terrific that Netflix will be there because, yeah. again, you know, media and, and obviously movies, everyone, you know, loves to see premieres. Yes, exactly. And in many ways, it is so much easier than the traditional multiplex because, you know, what you're going to see is the big screen. Mm -hmm. You're in and out in seconds. You're, you're, there's 20 extraordinary restaurants within steps of this. And just stepping out, one of the things I've enjoyed about this, this, this life in the bids world is that you're really part of neighborhoods and you're really tied to a neighborhood in an extremely yeah. significant way. And so, you know, maybe, you know, when you step out of the Paris, for example, after the rain and you're out there at Pozo Plaza and there's the lights of the Plaza Hotel on the one side and there's the glow of the Apple Cube and the GM building on the other. These are really the magical urban moments, right? That, 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 that connect with you in such a powerful way because you're, you feel like you're the right person at the right place at the right time and you've just had a, a moment that was meaningful. Yes. There's a lot of these moments on Fifth Avenue, and we want to make sure that there's more and more. Talk about any other culturals you have in your district. Well, we can start with uh, the most famous of them all, which would be St. Patrick's Cathedral. Sure. St. Patrick's, of course, is a extraordinary monument on its own right, and mm -hmm. it's made even more so by its incredible geography next to, on the one side, this giant skyscraper that is the Olympic <laughs> right. Tower, and then the other... Uh, Saks Fifth Avenue, and then just fronting it Rockefeller Center. So you have all these, you know, this agglomeration of, of buildings that is absolutely unique uh, in the world, and and people love it. They just love this sort of just exposition, and it's 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 the story of New York in a way that that, yes. that, uh, that mix of architecture. So St. Patrick's is fabulous, and there's all sorts of things going on there. If you don't know, they're in the middle of an extraordinary capital campaign to bring their building to lead standards. They're digging 15 or 16 wells. Wow, I didn't wells. realize that. It's a, there's a huge New York Times story about it, if you want to look it up, where but, but basically they're going to make the cathedral, it's going to be the, the greenest cathedral in the world. Hmm. Uh, and they're fundraising for that. We have a Museum of Modern Art, just a few steps up Fifth Avenue, trying to convince them that it would be a good idea for them to say, MoMA on Fifth, you know? That's, that's, <laughs> right, that's, I that's love it, yeah. For them. Uh, but they're right there and a greatly expanded MoMA since a year and a half ago. Mm. And the modern, the restaurant just reopened to the public just a few days ago. So that, that's another Great. exciting sign of rebirth in the yes. neighborhood. Uh, we have St. Thomas and Fifth Avenue Presbyterian, two other churches on the avenue with really strong singing programs and events there as well, even though they're a bit less well known. And St. Patrick's, there's a number of quality art galleries. There's tiny little jewel things such as uh, Paley Park. Paley Park, which you, you know, if you're, if you're in the sort of a placemaking world, this is, it's, it's considered one of the 
perfect examples of what you can do with one of these uh, privately owned public spaces and good design that in less than a you know, quarter of an acre manages to provide an, an, an extraordinary oasis to the chaos of Midtown. And then you have Central Park right there to the north and sure. Park right there to the south. We are the connector between what are probably the two best parks in the world. Mm. So it's, it's, it's all right here within these few blocks of Fifth Avenue. Well, you know, Fifth Avenue is always a magical place, but I guess, you know, I, I have to say it's really turns magical uh, during the holidays. And I know that you always have different things that are happening there and you have some amazing installations planned. Can you share a little bit about that? What well, I can tell you, yes, certainly. So, so New York is fortunate that Rockefeller Center produces in an extraordinary setting, a phenomenal tree. So the tree at the Rockefeller Center is sort of, a, you know, to me, it's sort of the heart of Yes. Holiday season for the entire country, and certainly that's the way they're marketing it as well. But there's truth to it, and when you go there, it's really special. And last year, you could you could walk to it, I mean, you could touch it. it was, yes, I went. It was very different <laughs> from other years. Yes, you had both uh, uh, like a giant maze of barricades, but but the police there realized that you know what, just just walk right there, and it yeah. was fine. Uh, so I'm not sure we'll see that again, uh, and I hope we won't actually. In that yes, way. I'm with you on that. <laughs> uh, but but nevertheless, the tree is sort of this great setting, and we, we don't want to compete with the tree, but what we want to do is complement it and focus again on what our Fifth Avenue strength. And for me, it's really the appeal to families and all the nobler and warmer sentiments of the holidays. And so uh, we deployed, and you're going to see them again this year, a series of uh, oversized toys, classic toys on the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. They're going to be yes, yes. from where they were last year. Mm-hmm. And they're a bit different from most Christmas decor because they're self-powered on batteries, so they don't have wires on anything. So they really seem like they're these sort of giant toy right there, boom, in the middle of the sidewalk. Yes, yes. And kids, and they're sized for the ch- for children, right? They're not sized for adults. And so they, kids go crazy over them. They're like, wow, this is just, it's just so unexpected. So we have that. And then the association has been decorating the Potter Fountain in front of the plaza for the past almost uh, 30 years. And we this year, we have decided to do it differently. Uh, so instead of a traditional, classic, beautiful, but sort of expected maybe greenery decor, you're going to see what, I, I don't want to give up too much about it, but it's going to be an enchanted scene. And it's going to be really great and interactive. And, and I think our goal is to make it as much of an attraction for the New Yorkers in the know as, as the Rockefeller Center tree, so that you will feel that your season is not complete if you have not come by and stopped by the Palazzo Fountain to see what's going on. So when will it become uh, act- I think I, I Well, if everything goes well, um, uh, well, it's definitely going to be ready for Black Friday. Great. Uh, I'm targeting November 18th, which is okay. also the day Bergdorf Goodman unveils their windows. Oh, beautiful. My guess is that they're going to be spectacular this year. I think everybody's going to try to outdo themselves on Fifth Avenue this year. Good. Uh, after taking a bit of a breather last yeah. year. Yeah. But we feel that people want to go big, that people want to turn the page and live life. And I know we've heard a lot of people saying, oh, the roaring 20s. But I think that there's some truth to that. And, and despite the fear mongering of the media on the Delta variant, uh, I hope the holiday season will sort of close the parenthesis 
uh, and it'll help us move forward. And Fifth Avenue is going to be there for that and going to be there for people to feel good about themselves and their families and, and really enjoy the best of the season. Well, Jerome, thank you for looking after the crown jewel of uh, Manhattan and really helping to, to make it such a special place for everyone. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's really a privilege to be here. Yeah, we have big plans for Fifth Avenue. We'll connect with you again. But we, we, we feel that Fifth, you know, Fifth Avenue matters to all New Yorkers. It's really the place that, that helps, one of the places that helps tie your, you to the identity of the city and make you yes. a New Yorker. And we take that very seriously. And we want to make sure that it's there for you um, forevermore. Yeah, walking, you know, along the avenue and watching the windows, you know, those are memories that are ingrained in children's heads even for their whole lives, exactly. let alone tourists that never see anything like it in, uh, in other parts of the world. Right. You know, it's very much like, you know, if you go to Disney, I've had the chance to do that in Orlando, and you go there and they give you buttons, your first visit, your second visit, or you've mm-hmm. not visited, or you visited as a child, and they have this understanding of... The customer is not a one-time customer. The customer, they could come back four times in their lives, they could come back six times, and then they're gonna bring their children and grandchildren. And they have this vision of themselves as a part of a person's journey through life. Yes. And that's very much the same vision we have for Fifth Avenue, that this is a place that can matter through, you know, you're, let's say you arrive to New York as a young professional and you walk Fifth Avenue and it, you identify with that very vital period of your life or, or you're introduced to it as you were just, just telling me a moment ago as looking at the windows as a child and then you're going to carry back back to your own family. Sort of that, that's the way we want to think about it. This is, it is a special place that can connect with people emotionally and we need to, to ensure that it has the quality and the content that allows for that to happen. Well, thank you for making it happen because you are doing it. And, and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing this holiday season. Well, I'll see you at the Pulitzer Fountain. Terrific. Well, Jerome, it was a pleasure having you. And thank you so much for on your, your time. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on your show. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. Mm-hmm.